You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. Through the COVID-19 pandemic, our homes have been converted into offices, classrooms, and in some cases, recording studios. The housing market has roared back in May and June, but the jury is still out on the long-term effects of the crisis on the Canadian housing stock. On this episode of Market Points, Mark Desormo, senior economist at Scotiabank, provides the latest numbers and shares his insights on the foundational strength of Canadian housing. Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Greg. The June housing numbers were released this week. What's been the impact of COVID-19 on the Canadian housing market, and how do things look for us at the moment? Well, we're not out of the woods yet. This is a situation that's ongoing. It's likely to continue for some time, but with COVID-19-related restrictions being eased and overall economic activity improving across most of the country, Housing activity is also heating up in most of Canada. And that's really what we saw in the June numbers. Repeat sales were up over 60% on a month-over-month percentage basis. And new listings also increased by almost 50%. This is just in the last month. And those built on gains of more than 50% for both indicators in May as well in the first month of lightning restrictions. So... We had this big decline at the start of the year when the economy was under lockdown, but now as we're starting to ease it, we've had success in controlling the virus's spread, economic activities picking up, and so too is the housing market. It's nice to have seen things bounce back now two months in a row um, so strongly. What about the year-over-year perspective when you're looking at uh, how June 2020 compares to uh, June 2019? Well, the month-over-month numbers that I mentioned, the 60% plus gains in home sales, about 50% gains in new listings in June, those are seasonally adjusted numbers. I was talking about the seasonally adjusted numbers. So if we compare where we were in June to where we were in February, that would be February would be the first month before lockdowns began in earnest, we see that nationally, Repeat home sales are about 8% lower than where they were, and new listings were about 6% below their level in February. So we've seen some gains in the last two months as the economy started to improve and we've lightened lockdowns, but we're still below where we were in February before some of those restrictions came into effect. And what about the new construction market? Was there um, a heavier impact on uh, on construction as an activity? How did housing How did housing starts look? Well, the resilience of housing construction has one has been one of the more curious results in the data released for the lockdown period. And in most provinces, housing starts have actually remained broadly in line with the annual average for last year. Initially, many of us forecasters expected lockdowns and considerably weaker overall economic activity to translate more immediately into soft construction activity. But thus far, that generally has not happened across the provinces. And one interpretation of that trend is that the strong gains we saw in population 
and household formation before the pandemic have helped to provide some momentum within the construction sector. And population growth has been a real driver, not only of the housing market, but of Canada's economy as a whole. It's actually, Canada is actually the only country in the G7 that has had accelerating population growth over the last few years. So that's been a real driver of the economy. It's been a real driver of the housing market. And the data suggest that it's continued to provide some support for construction activity, even as we get into some of these lockdown periods. Do you feel that then is a, a support structure that um, is kind of void into the, at least the near-term future? Is there a, a risk to new construction right now? Well, to the extent that we see weaker population growth continuing into the coming months and even years, whether that's through border closures, travel restrictions, apprehension after the pandemic about traveling, that could be certainly a risk to the overall economic outlook, but also to household formation and ultimately to construction activity. We've seen immigration fall from gains near 30% on a year-over-year -year basis in the first two months of the year to declines of 90% in April at the heights of the lockdowns. So we're still not sure exactly how population flows will change, whether they'll resume, whether they'll be lower consistently in the next few months and years. But certainly, if that is something that occurs, if we do see persistently weaker population growth, that'll have, in all likelihood, quite a significant impact on the Canadian economy, as well as construction activity across most major cities. How did things look uh, at the provincial level? Well, if we look at the fundamentals of the housing markets before the pandemic, the places where supply outpaced demand by the greatest margin were in the net oil producing provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Newfoundland and Labrador. These were places where construction was really booming when the price of oil was up above $100 a barrel. And then there's the subsequent slowdown in the economies there since that peak in pricing has meant that there's a lot of inventory left hanging over the market and supply is outpacing demand. So going beyond uh, the kind of pandemic environment, these are the places where in all likelihood the demand will continue to, out to lag supply. There's less potential for pent up demand following uh, the lightning of lockdowns than there is in, say, a place like BC or uh, around Toronto and the Greater Golden Horseshoe agglomeration. In those areas, there's been very strong construction activity, but the, the strength of demand has been so robust that, in fact, the market there is under markets there are undersupplied for the most part. And in those locations, we could reasonably expect or I guess I should say, um, if there is to be pent up demand released that supports sales and pricing, it's more likely to occur in some of these places where the demand was strong before the pandemic. And that would include cities like Toronto, uh, Vancouver, nearby centers, to some extent Montreal, there had been a lot of growth there before the pandemic as well. Those fundamental conditions are likely something that will impact the strength of the recovery as we start to come out of this period. 
Turning to the mortgage side of things, uh, how are the conditions looking at the moment with respect to risk on mortgage defaults? Well, the state of the labor market has historically been the best predictor of mortgage delinquency rates and greater numbers of mortgage defaults to some extent are a natural consequence of the kind of unemployment and reduction in hours work that we've seen over the last several months. The good news is that all three levels of government have moved to offer significant support for homeowners and renters. This includes things like de deferrals on housing related payments, delays in tax filing deadlines, wage subsidies, the emergency response benefit to help impacted workers cover costs. And these supports have been significant. Our modeling suggests that the support measures will mitigate the strains caused by the COVID-19 downturn, the impact on the labor market. That result is echoed by work that we've seen produced by the Bank of Canada. The key question really is when and how to start to withdraw that support. And these kinds of payments, the, the deferrals, those have really helped to cushion the market against COVID-19's fallout, but there will need to be the appropriate timing, the appropriate balance between maintaining fiscal sustainability over the longer run and that support for both homeowners and prospective buyers. So uh, second wave um, potential risks still, uh, still remain. Um, and then, of course, there's just the, the threat to the support programs. But you feel that there is um, uh, economic uh, resiliency uh, here in Canada? Well, the first thing I would say is that mortgage arrears rates come into the crisis at reasonably low, reasonably stable levels. So we're starting this, uh, this downturn in a fairly solid position, at least relative to history. So that's, that's one good piece of news. Second thing I would say is that in the event of a second wave of the coronavirus that requires some kind of new set of measures to try and contain its spread, uh, we suspect when we look at mitigation efforts that are already underway, uh, some of the learnings we've gotten out of this first wave, the second wave of restrictions, if there are any, is not likely to be quite as severe, quite as harmful to economic growth as this first wave of restrictions was. So certainly there's a downside to the economic outlook to the extent that downside risk to the economic outlook to the extent that there is a second wave that spurs those fresh containment measures, but that's not an, an inevitability. We come into this in a historically solid position, and all indications at this point are that, or most indications at this point, are that if a second wave does become a reality, it will not be quite as harmful to the labor market and to the overall economy as this first wave has been. So you were talking earlier about the risks of uh, population growth slowing because of immigration slowing. Um, and typically you see a lot of um, immigration heading towards cities. And then, of course, the, all the concerns through COVID about uh, individuals perhaps rethinking a, a move to the city and looking at the suburbs instead. When you're thinking about 
the housing market. Do you see a fundamental shift happening with respect to with respect to cities? Well, it's still early days in this downturn, and so it's still hard to get a grasp of what the longer term trends emerging from this situation will be, especially when we look at the data. And there are a number of potential trends, like the move to greater and greater numbers of people working from home, that we're still monitoring, we're still looking into and studying. Anecdotally, we are hearing stories of more demand for housing in places further away from the city center. And to the extent that working from home becomes more commonplace, we could reasonably expect that people will start to live and buy housing further and further away from their place of work. I also think it's important though, when we think about telework to note that some industries and some regions have more capacity. Ontario, in terms of the provinces, Ontario has the most telework capacity as of 2019. There's a Statistics Canada study that was put out last month that said that only just over 40% of Ontario's workforce was capable, had the capacity for, for telework. So the numbers are fairly low when we look at the industry overall, but then certain industries, services, financial services, professional, scientific, and technical work, the tech sector, these are the industries that you may be looking at telework capacity over 80%, even approaching 90%. So they're the ones that are potentially in a position to benefit relative to others in a work from home environment uh, versus say industries like manufacturing, retail or healthcare. The other thing to consider in a number of cities is the pre-virus conditions, the fundamentals. There were a number of cities grappling with unaffordability challenges. Toronto was one, Vancouver is another. And even before the crisis, we were starting to see buyers moving further afield. If you look at, for instance, intra-provincial migration, so that means people moving from one city within a province to another city within the province, there is some evidence of people moving further away from the city center. In Ontario, for instance, there's evidence that more and more young families are moving even as far as London and Windsor. So not just Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville, even further outside of Toronto to, uh, to live and to, to work. So there's a little bit of support for the move away from cities that was in place even before we were dealing with COVID-19. That was Mark DeZormo, Senior Economist at Scotiabank. You can find more thought-leading content from Scotiabank on our website at gbm.scotiabank.com, and you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website. Thanks for listening.